The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Episode 3, Joe heads for L.A. Polanski slouched down in his high-backed vinyl chair. He looked out the sliding doors from his paneled study. The sun had reached a point on that afternoon where the rays had begun to enter the top of the doors. His body glowed in the orange haze. He hadn't moved away from the exact spot since Ben had brought him home earlier in the day. As the sun dropped below the horizon and the music played in the background, there was a strange hissing noise on the speakers as Polinsky lay half asleep in the chair. Barbara opened the door to the study and tiptoed into the darkened room. She set a tray of food on the desk, shut off the stereo, and walked over to her half-awake husband. Joe, she said softly as she nudged his shoulder. Polinsky opened his eyes and looked up at his wife. Barbara... He said, rubbing his eyes. What time is it? Past seven, Joe. She said as she ran her fingers through his thick hair. Brought you some food, she added, as he clutched her hand and kissed it. You were a good wife, he said as he went back for the tray. Frank Jensen called while you were sleeping, Joe. Anything on Stevenson, he asked. No, nothing at all. What about the funeral? He lifted the glass of milk to his lips. Tuesday morning, Temple City, she answered. Stinks, Barbara. It just stinks, he said as he looked out into the desert. I still can't believe this thing happened. I understand, she said as she brushed his hair again. You want the stereo back on? Please, replied Polanski as he began his meal. You change your mind, Joe. I'll always be right here. That's what keeps me going, he said softly as she closed the door, leaving him alone. As he ate his supper, he looked westward across the expanse of desert toward Los Angeles, and he contemplated the whereabouts of Charles N. Stevenson. The darkness that settled over the desert community that night had a certain relevance. Polanski had slept for a few hours, but the alarm clock on the night table was nearing 2 a.m. He sat up in bed and looked at his sleeping wife, silently kissed her on the forehead and slipped out of bed. With amazing dexterity, he made his way across the moonlit room and opened the door to the study, closed it very slowly and walked over to the desk. In the dim illumination of the night, he pulled open the drawer of the desk where he had neatly tucked away his gray sweatshirt, jeans, and sneakers. He dressed quickly and opened the top drawer. As he reached into the drawer, he felt the cold metal of his revolver against his fingertips. He removed the gun, stuffed it in his jeans, and casually walked out of the room. He passed the moonlit window in the front hall and walked into the bathroom. He reached into the pocket of his jeans and took out a note he had written the day before. He ripped some adhesive tape from the roll in the medicine cabinet and taped it on the mirror. It read, Dearest Barbara, I cannot rest until I have completed my mission, and even then I don't know if I'll ever be the same. I must find this man Stevenson and bring him to justice. Tell the children that I'm on assignment for Ben. I love them and I love you more than words can say. Love, Joe. And once he turned and made his exit to the living room. He took his car keys off the hook near the door, opened the door and stepped into the night. He looked skyward and saw the bright light of the full moon as it blotted out most of the stars. The mammoth gray cliffs were distinct in the distance and the night did not seem like night at all. Rather, it was like some demented dream when the light was unnaturally eerie. Plansky walked precariously across the white gravel driveway toward his old green Volkswagen. He mournfully looked back at his little white stucco house and thought about his family sleeping inside. 
he took the keys out of his pocket and started the car. He backed the car around in a semicircle and sped up the sandy road toward Highway 77. When he came to the highway, he didn't stop and actually pushed on the accelerator, spinning the wheels in the dirt. With a sudden jolt, the tires caught the pavement. He gave a slight glance at the register building, then turned westward along Route 77 toward Los Angeles. The lights of the town slowly faded to pinpoints in his rearview mirror. His heart began to pound as he feared someone might read the note before he was out of the area. He looked in the mirror again, but all he could see was moonlight on the telephone lines across the desert. Polanski held his arm out straight to the steering wheel as he moved deeper into the desert. His mind was blank as the night air blew into the car and music blasted from the speakers. The Volkswagen hit a bump in the road, jolting Polanski. He grit his teeth as he thought of Stevenson. Quickly, over and over again, he spoke the lines he had memorized. 1122 North Hollywood Boulevard, 747-9212, 747-9213. The address and the telephone numbers were permanently etched into his mind, and he silently kept repeating them inside his head. Polanski quieted down after his outburst and then reverted back to a somber state as he trekked westward toward Needles. Hours had passed before he checked the time on his wristwatch. He had been on the road for hours. He adjusted the rearview mirror as the morning sun stung his tired blue eyes. He looked across the tumbling landscape and saw the moon, the dominating force of the night, now a scar on the morning sky. Polanski's eyelids grew heavier as the land leveled and the rising heat distorted the highway ahead. Soon he had climbed the mountainous region around San Bernardino at Cajon Pass and the Volkswagen zoomed into the western edge of the mountains toward Los Angeles. In a short time, the sky became hazy with smog, and he could see the city in the distance. He approached the gasoline station on his right, and the stockade fence next to it had simple black letters that read Motel. For richer or poorer Motel. He coasted his Volkswagen over to a blue neon office sign to the left. His eyes ached and he longed to sleep as he opened the wooden door. The bells on the door clanged and he stepped into the office. Hi there! said an overweight middle-aged woman who was sitting in a rocking chair to the left of the counter. She watched an old black and white television. Her hair had an unusual shade of platinum. Help you, sir? She asked, alternatively looking at him and the television. Yes, I want a room for the night. Number eight is open. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks? That's the price. Polanski reached into his pocket and took out the cash. Here you go, she said, handing him the key. Be out by 11 tomorrow or let me know if you're staying. In a few minutes, Polanski came out of the bathroom and headed for the double beds. With the recklessness of a kamikaze pilot, he flung himself into the air and his tired body bounced on the mattress. He felt the stitching of the bedspread rub against his rough, unshaven face as he inhaled the unfamiliar odor of the room and drifted into a sound sleep. Join us next time for another exciting episode of The Red Light District by Robert P. Fitton. Presented by Fitton Theatre of the Words.